if you're not willing to be vulnerable and to be transparent, it's very difficult for people to trust you and for you to be able to take the risks in your life that you need to take to be a really great leader. Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Hey there, folks. Welcome to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Willie Walker, who is the CEO and Chairman of Walker and Dunlop. Willie, how are you today? I'm great, Anthony. How are you? Excellent. Thanks. I'm excited to chat. Why don't you tell all your folks about what you do and uh, what keeps you busy on a day-to-day basis? I'm Chairman and CEO of Walker and Dunlop. It's a publicly traded real estate finance company. I've been with Walker and Dunlop for almost 19 years. It's a company that was founded by my grandfather back in 1937 and run by my father for his entire career. And when I took over the company in 2003, or I should say joined the company in 2003, it was one office worth about $25 million. And fast forward to the end of 2021, and it was 40 offices, almost 1,400 employees, and a market cap of almost $5 billion. So it's been a... uh, a very uh, fast and furious uh, run as we've built Walker Nellop from being a small regional mortgage bank into one of the largest commercial real estate finance companies in the country. Yeah, that's super impressive and very cool. I know we have a lot of listeners that are family-owned businesses and that have you know generations going into the workforce, and of course you know, just being the size of business you are has its own, you know, challenges and opportunities as a leader and going through that transition over almost 20 years, you know, what were some of those big inflection points for you personally, as you, you know, stepped into your own leadership, as you move the company forward? So I think first off, Anthony, it was really important that I did a lot outside of Walker and Dunlop before joining the company. Um, It gave me the opportunity to not only work in much, much larger organizations that gave me an idea of what Walker and Dunlop could actually become. Uh, it also allowed me to know that my skill set had value, whether it was inside of a family company or outside of the family company. And that allowed me when I joined the family company to come in with not only some significant confidence in what I could do as a leader versus having joined the company with no sort of track record would have been a very different experience. Uh, My father also having seen me run much, much, much larger businesses than Walker and Dunlop, when I arrived, he basically handed me the keys. Um, And so that was a wonderful advantage, if you will. Lots of people in family companies have a a struggle of transition of power and responsibility. And some either entrepreneurs or leaders have a very difficult time relinquishing control. That was not the case as it relates to W&D. I think the other thing was that when I joined the company, we had really no brand and no capital. And so I think one of the things that a lot of people kind of misunderstand is that, look, I didn't have the same struggles as an entrepreneur who puts together a business plan and has to find funding to start a company. But for all practical purposes, 
you know, we didn't have a brand and we didn't have capital to go invest to build a brand. So all of the challenges that an entrepreneur faces in building a brand and building a company, we similarly faced at Walker and Dunlop. That's not in any way to discount or disregard the very healthy business I stepped into. But I guess one of the issues that I think is very important is I would sit around with people who ran similar sized regional or local mortgage banks during the first couple of years. And they all sat around and sort of bemoaned the fact that there were all these big companies that we competed with, whether it was CBRE or JLL or Wells Fargo or JP Morgan. And they were like, oh, they're all so big and they've got such big brand and we'll never be able to compete with them. And in my mind, I was sitting there going, why can't we compete with them? Why can't we build a company that's equally as big as them with as big a brand and as big a capital base? And over the last, you know, almost 20 years, we've done just that. So when we jumped over CBRE, JP Morgan, and Wells Fargo to be the largest provider of capital to the apartment industry in 2020, it was really quite an accomplishment to sit there and say, wow, these big behemoths that we were always sitting in the rearview mirror of, we are now bigger than and more influential in the market than they are in our core apartment lending business. And then I guess the final thing would just be that I always, in joining a family company out of my own insecurity, didn't want to ever be accused of having joined the family company and just sort of been a steward of the company I stepped into. I always wanted to be known as having created something and built huge value. And that's my own insecurity and my own personality of just sort of saying that I didn't want someone to sit there and say, this was handed to you on a silver platter. And so when I joined the firm, I clearly had bold ambitions about what I wanted to do. And I would just say in hindsight, Anthony, I probably ran a little rough shot over all the things that I stepped into, potentially not giving my dad enough credit for all the things that he'd done in running the business. My grandfather was not no longer with us when I stepped into the company. So my grandfather never saw me running it. But I would just say that, you know, I would say for the first decade, I was a little bit too ambitious and therefore didn't sort of slow down and give people praise who should have received praise for all the things that were there when I stepped in and wanting to sort of say, I've done all this. I'm now at a very, very different stage in my life and my career and my success in running this company, where I am 100% happy to give everyone other than me praise and thanks for everything that we do. But it's been, you know, that's my own maturation process. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I find it, I, I mean, the parallels between not only the company and its stages of growth, but then your own stages of growth, you know, kind of in parallel and in a line, like for you say, hey, before joining the company, you needed to make sure that you were kind of grown bigger than the company in some respects, which I think was, you know, really great, uh, well, strategy on one hand. And, you know, I don't know if it was grooming or not, but that doesn't really matter. And then the stages of growth in the company is like, yes, the company was at a point, but then you took it to another point. And I think that that's a thing to learn from everybody is that we go into growth stages and we don't come in that perfect form. And I think that that is sometimes a challenging part for leaders, especially in new roles where they're still like getting their feet wet. Anthony, there are just two quick things on that. The, the one thing on it is that a lot of people who have companies and want their family members to step into it think that they need to go into the same industry to be an expert in that industry. I completely disagree with that. So um, if you will, Rupert Murdoch took all of his kids, had them go do things in media and entertainment, and then they came into News Corp. 
I, I think that his kids could have gone and done all sorts of different things that would have given them the experience to come and step into News Corp rather than having been in media and entertainment. And then the second piece to it all is that because I'd done banking and private equity before coming to Walker and Dunlop, I brought a whole different skill set, but I knew very little about the mortgage banking business. If I didn't have my partner, Howard Smith, who has been our president of the company as I've been CEO, to be my partner and to bring the specific knowledge about the industry that Howard had from the day I stepped in, there is no way I could have been as successful at bringing my skill set to bear because I didn't know that much about the mortgage market. And so it was that partnership with Howard that allowed me to then bring the unique skill set that I had of how to grow the capital base, how to acquire companies and how to lead the company forward that without that core knowledge, I would have never been able to do. Yeah, I love that. Uh, one of our previous guests, Mark Hirschberg, has this model where it, like visualizing what you said is like, hey, if you just have these blocks and they go straight down with tremendous depth, then that's great. But if you can add the width as well, then it exponentially expands the depth. And that sounds like what you brought, you know, the real thing that the company needed is that depth and breadth. And then that was able to support a company in that next place. So I think that's really cool. So you had mentioned jumping into the company, you had mentioned your own insecurities. Uh, my per- personal experience, uh, obviously different industry, but you know, having a little chip on your shoulder to say, hey, you know, I can do this, I'm totally capable. What was the thing at that 10-year point? Was, was it a lesson that you learned to say, hey, maybe I want to adapt my leadership style? You know, what was the thing or what was the experience that had you be more adaptive to, to people's needs and being more understanding of, you know, that next level CEO that you want it to be? I don't think there was any one sort of definitive moment. It's a maturation process that comes from leading a great organization, understanding that it's about so much more than me, that the success of a great leader is when the organization is reflective of so much more than the leader. Um, There's so many people, Michael Eisner being a perfect example, who led Disney for his entire career, brought massive, massive shareholder value to the Disney shareholders, and then completely screwed up his exit because he thought it was all about him. And he'd done a terrible job of succession planning. He hadn't groomed anyone to replace him. He was very lucky that the board took Bob Iger and put Bob Iger in. But if you read back on Eisner leaving Disney, he messed up the most important thing of any CEO's tenure once they've created great value, which is to make sure that the succession plan happens. And so if you're so caught up in who you are, how valuable you are, you're not doing the right things to create an enduring value in the in the company. And so, you know, at the beginning, I wanted to prove to everyone I was the, you know, I was the guy and I was the one who could create lots of different things and I was involved in everything. And what's so interesting today is that there is so much that goes on in Walker Noop that I have absolutely no involvement with. We just yeah. we just put together a partnership with Pacific Life. Um, It's a $500 million separate account that we're investing with Pacific Life. And the day it was announced, I knew nothing about it. And immediately, another investor writes me and says, hey, we've got to mimic what you did with Pacific Life. Can we talk? And I went back to the investor and I said, I have absolutely no idea what the terms are, how we did it, what we're focused on, all this stuff. And the person literally accused me of lying. He's like, you're just trying to avoid talking to me about this. And I'm like, no, I'm not trying to avoid it. I truly know nothing about this. You go back 10 years in Walker and Dunlop, I found the partnership, I negotiated the partnership, I looked at the press release for the partnership, and I knew everything about it. And so you have to learn as you scale these enterprises where you're at value add and where you're not, things that I need to work on and things that I don't. And I think one of the 
one of the most gratifying things about my senior management team is that while we don't complete one another's sentences, the team and I have such great trust and confidence in one another that they pull me in when needed and I'm completely out when not. And so when something like that gets put together, I know it's all been put together perfectly. I don't have to dot the I's, cross the T's, or wonder what we're doing. And I don't have to look at the press release. I used to look at every single press release we ever put out. So it's those types of things that have made the journey fun, but you also have to learn where to keep pushing and where to let go. It sounds like there's a tremendous amount of trust with you and your leadership team. And obviously trust that is uh, developed if you were talking to either the younger you or other senior managers that are wanting to get to that place, you know, are there two or three kind of pearls of wisdom as to how they could take a step in the right direction to be on other than just say, Hey, trust your team because everybody wants to trust, but it's scary. How do you foster that within your team and within yourself? I'd say first, and this is tough. It's being real and it's being transparent. If you're not willing to be real and be transparent with your colleagues, they can't be real and transparent back to you. So an example is I gave a speech uh, in 2016, I think it was, in front of a bunch of my colleagues as well as clients, where I talked about my struggles with anger management. And I talked to them about my um, my marriage breaking apart because of it and um, what I'd done to become a better person by focusing on it and dealing with the struggles that I'd had of, of, of having anger issues and working through them. I wasn't sure, Anthony, when I made that speech, whether I made the biggest mistake of my entire career or whether it was the appropriate thing to do. In hindsight, it was beyond the appropriate thing to do because what it showed was it showed that I am a flawed individual. I'm a flawed human being and I'm trying to be better. I'm willing to accept and talk about my failings and all the things I've tried to work on in my career. The reaction to that speech from clients and from my colleagues was wholly the most impactful thing I've ever done in my entire career. Because rather than moving away from me and saying, oh my gosh, he's like got issues and I don't, you know, I don't really know that I want to engage with him. It was the complete opposite. It was you shared something about you and your vulnerabilities that all of us know we have, whether you admit them or not admit them. But it made me far realer as a leader and as a partner to our clients than I had ever been before. And out of that blossomed relationship after relationship and more and more trust between me and my executive team and me and our clients. And so it's tough to be that open and vulnerable. But as you know, Brene Brown, who I've read a bunch of her work, if you're not willing to be vulnerable and to be transparent, it's very difficult for people to trust you and for you to be able to take the risks in your life that you need to take to be a really great leader. Um, and so vulnerability is something that is hard to find. And as I said at the beginning of this, I had plenty of my own insecurities in trying to build Walker and Dunlop that made me run faster and faster and faster and faster. And as I've gotten older and as I've gotten more mature, I've learned that my flaws are part of what make me to be the person that I am and the leader that I am. And that, um, you know, we all know everybody has their flaws and their challenges. It's just the ability to share them and to be honest and open about them with the people that you trust. Yeah. Uh, well, I, on a personal note, I appreciate you sharing that because it's not easy. I mean, it's part of who you are and, and I can definitely hear 
it is, you know, I, I hear some people share like a story. It's like a shtick and they have challenging things. But for you, it just, I really, it occurred to me and landed me like, it's just like a real, just real open honesty, transparency of just of who you are. And I think it's really interesting leading in 2022, et cetera, the kind of balance between being open, honest, and then trying to like cover your ass and watching for that thing and like connecting in that blend of how do you connect with people in this world, especially at it being so divisive. But I just really, again, appreciate your like gen, genuine connection and transparency about yourself. And it's evident that, you know, that's what makes you successful as a leader, not what you share, but how you think about yourself and connecting with others. So as we look to 2022 and beyond, what are some of the things that you're continuing to work on either uh, for Walker Dunlop or for yourself personally or with your team? Like what's on the horizon for you? Well, I mean, I think one of the big reasons Walker Nellop has been so successful is that for the last 15 years, we've set out five-year growth plans that are very explicit in what we're trying to achieve as a company. And we set those five-year business plans out there with very bold, highly ambitious goals, back to Jim Collins's book, Good to Great. And in setting those BHAGs, we have been incredibly fortunate to have a team that has executed on them flawlessly. So as I think about where we are in 2022 and lots of people saying inflation is running rampant, interest rates are going up, the markets are, you know, we're going to go into a recession, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not terribly concerned about Walker and Dunlop getting to our, what we call the drive to 25, which is our 2025 business plan, because we've gone through the great financial crisis and come out and gotten to our five-year goals. We've we've gone through changes in political leadership, interest rates, economy, growing, shrinking, you know, the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. And in every instance, we've come through it fine. So while there's plenty to be concerned about on the horizon right now, with that sort of true north beacon of the drive to 25, our team knows exactly what we need to do between here and 2025. We know where we're investing capital. We know where we're recruiting people. And because we have that clear direction, I have great faith that the team will get us there. With all that said, it's not an easy time. It's a it's a very challenging time, and we are a uh, um, a highly divided society in the United States at a time when, quite honestly, if we could just all pull together and sort of focus on the future rather than on fighting these what I see as sort of turf wars um, on both social issues as well as economic issues as well as political issues, we could run roughshod over the entire world, and it's like so frustrating to see us sitting there literally killing each other and 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 not be able to come to some type of agreement that all of us together are so much more powerful than we are divided. And so that's concerning. And at the same time, look, we're only a firm of 1,400 people. It's my job to help lead and, and, and set a vision for what we do at Walker and Dunlop and to try and create a great sense of community inside of Walker and Dunlop and be able to be supportive of Republicans and Democrats and independents and pro-lifers and pro-choicers and pro-gun and gun control. And down the laundry list of things, we need to be a place where everyone can bring themselves to work every single day. And at the same time, dealing with the very real life challenges of everything going on outside of us. And so, you know, I think we have a real opportunity because a lot of the companies we compete with are so much bigger than Walker and Dunlop. That if you're at one of those firms and they're not doing the things to be supportive and creating a sense of community and camaraderie and teamwork, 
we have the very real opportunity to bring those people across the WMD and continue to grow. Uh, and so I, I see that as the real opportunity for us at this time where everyone's trying to figure out kind of, do I work in an office? Do I work at home? Am I happy with the people I work with? Am I getting collaboration? It's so much easier for us in a small firm of 1,400 people to drive collaboration than at a big firm like J.P. Morgan or Wells Fargo, where if you're in a certain group inside of those big firms, that's who you're working with. And there's very little cross-collaboration. Um, mm. And that's what gives us the opportunity to continue to grow and take market share from them. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that sounds very exciting. Uh, one of the things I took away as you were sharing, you know, both, you know, your journey as a leader and then what's happening in the air quotes political climate that like vulnerability and transparency is that divisiveness is because everybody has their own thing. And I don't think that there's a lot of vulnerability and transparency. Everybody's just out for their own thing. And I think it's really cool what you've been able to do at your company is create an environment where people can thrive within it and, and find, be their best selves and create a place for themselves to win. So uh, I, bullish on you guys. And that sounds really cool and, and excited for the future of the company. Willie, where can people learn more about Walker Dunlop? Where can they connect with you and, and and potentially apply to work there if it's a fit. Uh, www.walkerdunlop.com. You can Google me and it'll take you to all sorts of different profiles out there on Willie Walker, W-I-L-O-Y. And um, I have a weekly webcast, Anthony, where I bring on various speakers, luminaries, economists, leaders. Tomorrow, I have former Tennessee Governor Bill Haslam on to talk about his new book on faithful leadership and his role as a two-time mayor of, of Knoxville, Tennessee, and then two-time governor of Tennessee, and what he learned throughout all that and how he used faith in his leadership. And I'm very much looking forward to that. Last week, I had Taylor Heineke, who's the quarterback for the Washington Commanders, and that was super fun. So I have a wide, diverse group of guests on, but it's a, it's a real joy, just like spending time with you today for me to engage with those types of people and have really good engaging conversations. Awesome. I love that. I think the world needs more collaboration and we can learn from each other, certainly. And and Willie, I really appreciate you making the time today. I know you got a lot on your plate and just it's been a, a pleasure. Uh, anything else you want to say as we finish up today's uh, episode? No, nope, I'm just thankful to you and for taking the time. Awesome. Thank you, Willie. So folks, my guest today, Willie Walker, who is the CEO and chairman of the board of Walker Dunlop. Be sure to check them out. It's a very interesting industry. It's a very cool industry. And uh, in the future of great leaders are the ones that really lead and create space for others. So Willie, thank you for doing that for your people. Thank you for sharing with our audience today. I super appreciate it. Thank you, Anthony. Folks, this has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. Thanks for watching. I appreciate you. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We post twice a week, so you can count on us for your weekly source of content to help you grow and expand as a leader. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a review. We read every single one, and it helps us make a better show for you, the listener. Also, it helps more people find the show, which means we can help as many people as possible. We appreciate you listening and following along, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as Anthony says, until next time.